This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. This morning on Money Talks, we'll discuss 21st century wedding trends and the bills they generate. Weddings are becoming more expensive and extravagant. Does the bride's family still pay for the wedding? And what are some expenses that didn't exist for weddings 20 years ago? Give us a call this morning with your comments and your personal finance questions. Our phone number is one mpb ring That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. This is Money Talks from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email money at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. And welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. And our guest today is Angie Atkins. She's the owner of Angie's Catering and Floral Designs in Columbus. Uh, This morning, we're going to talk about 21st century wedding trends and the bills that they generate. Weddings are becoming more extravagant and expensive. Some things that we hope to talk about throughout the hour. Does the bride's family still pay for the wedding? And some are, what are some of the expenses that didn't exist for weddings even 20 years ago? But we're also looking for your personal finance questions. So if you have a comment about a wedding, maybe some uh, a story that you'd like to share about uh, the expenses of, of your wedding or how you might have saved on expenses, or as I say, a personal finance question, always fair game on Money Talks on Tuesday mornings. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. You can also email the show money at mpbonline.org. And as a reminder, if you ever want to hear today's show or previous show again, one place to go to find it is mpbonline.org slash money talks. Also, we have our public radio app that you can download for your iPhone or Android phone, and then you get to listen to MPB Think Radio on your schedule. So good morning to you both. Hope that you're doing well this morning. Good morning. Uh, good to have you with us, Angie. We'll get to you in just a minute. But Ryder wanted to uh, talk about uh, any financial news in the news. Um, so I was thinking about this morning, and it seems like we always talk about interest rates. They have been the most Oh, goodness, I'm going to say they've been the most interesting thing. I hate that I did that uh, for the past several years, and especially in the more recent uh, years and months, uh, the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates. And so people have been wanting interest rates to go up. People have been wondering why they don't have an, uh, an interest rate on their savings account. They're wondering why CDs hardly get any, any interest anymore. And so we've we've seen the short term interest uh, interest rate rise up. So the federal funds rate is around one percent, I think, right now, and that's just been kind of following the market rates going up. So on like some savings account, you can get an interest rate, and on some CDs, some short term CDs, you can get about one one and a half percent, even up you know, even at just like a year. But we're still seeing the longer term rates not going up. Um, Besides the little post-election bump, uh, things like mortgage rates are still kind of coming down a little bit. And so that kind of implies a little longer term uncertainty because people are buying bonds because they want some certainty because they can't find that certainty elsewhere. So that's kind of implying that there's a lot of uncertainty elsewhere. Uh, A little historical note, uh, on this day in 1893, the New York stock market crashed, creating what I think they call the Panic of 1893. I did a little research on there that uh, 
So Ooh, that was uh, that was before my time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I've, I've been here a while, but that was a little bit before my time as well. But you know, I think a lot of people think uh, of the the Great Depression and all that, and the stock market crash in the early 20th century. But uh, we've had some some scares and things uh, throughout our history. Yeah, yeah, large large declines and crashes they happen uh, surprisingly often. I want to say it's something like a 90 percent chance that the stock market will have a like a 10% uh, peak to trough decline in any given year. So it's going to happen. But that doesn't mean you need to wait for that dip. Um, <laughs> you know, it might still be higher than it started out. So this is Money Talks, and we're looking for your personal finance questions this morning. Also, we're going to be talking about uh, wedding bells and bills. I like the way our producer, Liz Gill, fr- phrased that, uh, with Angie Atkins, who's the owner of Angie's Catering in Florida's Zion in Columbus. Uh, so give us a call if you'd like to join in on the conversation this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show money at mpbonline.org. We'll dive into weddings in just a minute, but we do have, looks like a question coming in from Ann in Clinton. Good morning, Ann. Good morning. Uh, I heard yesterday, uh, sometime yesterday or maybe late Sunday, that and a comment was made that the federal government was considering taking what they call dead bonds. Uh, bonds that have been, you know, are no longer receiving interest and are real old, and they're going to take them and pay off the debt. You all heard anything? I am, I am not sure exactly what that, uh, what those would be. Um, there are the bonds issued, treasuries issued by the U.S. government do pay interest, um, except for ones which they issue at a discount and it simply matures at par um and and that's how the interest rate comes in i'm so there's kind of talk that and and i'm not sure if this is what what you're looking at but there's talk that they could issue uh issue bonds that don't have don't pay a coupon don't issue interest and um you know as far as trying to get around the debt limit and things like that um but i'm i'm not exactly sure what you mean by um by dead bonds that are not paying interest anymore well as you know there's a lot of those been laying around for several hundred years for at least a hundred years uh for different things and i got the impression it had to do like liberty bonds uh, that were bought during world war ii things like that that are no longer receiving interest. That's just the comment they made. Okay, well, there are some types of bonds where um, some savings bonds, which you know, individuals buy, which they may have just kind of neglected. Um, but I don't think that, for instance, if you know you go to treasury.gov and you buy a savings bond and it matures in 10 years and you just never cash it in. Um, there, I, I see plenty of people with bonds like that. And so... That could be some of the ones um, that you're talking talking about. You know, after a certain period, you know, the interest is just kind of accruing um, in a different way. And those those I don't I don't believe they're just going to cancel those because there's somebody out there who owns that bond. Even if even if we may never find them, there's someone who owns that bond, and it's not typically like the U.S. government to um, to to kind of uh, go over on someone who who has loaned them money like that. All right, Ann, thanks for your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with Angie Atkins, owner of Angie's Catering and Floral Design in Columbus, helping us understand more about the costs associating with weddings. Uh, so, Angie, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got in the business uh, that you're in. Well, um, I do on Angie's Code in Florida Zion. I also work at the university where I'm director of resources management and I plan a lot of events at the, on campus. So I guess I sort of accidentally got involved in this business. It wasn't something I ever set out, planned to do, but several of my positions in the past involved catering and being over food service and events. And, you know, I realized, you know, many years ago that I had a passion for parties and planning events and it just sort of evolved into a side business for me. So uh, traditionally on a wedding, uh, we mentioned that at the top of the show, uh, the what was the kind of distribution of, of who paid for what? 
Well, years ago, I think it was mostly the bride's family was responsible for the bulk of the wedding expenses. I think nowadays, you know, couples are waiting later to get married and they're more established in their careers and they're more financial stable. And I think, you know, the couples are even helping to pay for some of the wedding expenses. I'm even seeing now that the groom's family is paying for more than just the traditional rehearsal dinner and honeymoon. They're, you know, they're sitting down and they're having conversations and, you know, deciding on their budget and deciding who's going to pay for what. I would imagine that uh, parents are, are glad to hear that the couples uh, themselves are starting to help pay for some of the expenses. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> Uh, what are some of the other uh, changes you've seen in, in the way weddings and receptions occur uh, in, in the time that you've been involved in planning them? Well, I think nowadays, you know, years ago, they would have everything in one location. They would have the wedding and the ceremony all in the church and have the reception maybe in the fellowship hall. Venues are huge now. I mean, they're spending, you know, brides are spending a lot of money just on their venues. So they may still have a wedding ceremony in a church, but they go to another location to actually have the reception. And it's more about a huge celebration and a party. We're going to be talking uh, to Angie throughout the hour and also looking for your personal finance questions. So if you'd like to join the conversation, the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. We've got another caller on the line. We invite Brian from Star on the air. Good morning, Brian. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, I've uh, got one question about weddings. Is uh, what's the uh, the uh, a good thing to to tip the, the preacher? And my my main question was uh, about IRAs. What is the maximum contribution I can do in a year? on a 401k and uh, still contribute 5500 to my IRA. Okay, so your maximum contribution to your 401k is going to be, uh, I think it's 18000 this year, uh, and, you know, your employer can, you know, make that go up to you know, fifty two, just depending on how much they put in with... Uh, with matches and with uh, profit-sharing plans. Um, So it depends. I'm not sure if you're talking about uh, contributing to a traditional or a Roth IRA, but the limits for traditional and Roth IRAs are 5,500. Those are also subject to income limits. So... So you need to you need to make sure you have the you're not you're not going over the income limits. I want to say the traditional IRA income limits around a hundred ten thousand and or no sorry traditional IRA is around seventy thousand or eighty thousand and the Roth IRA is around a hundred and ten thousand. Um, the IRS has a has fairly good guidance on how to tell how much you are able to contribute when you are covered by a retirement plan at work. And um, so so there's just a little bit of figuring out that will depend on your, your specific situation there. All right, and Brian, uh, our, our producer Liz uh, Googled your question, and uh, Brides.com suggests a $50 tip if it's a judge that does the wedding ceremony. It says that pastors usually will not accept a tip, but a $100 donation to their church uh, would be appreciated. So thanks for the call. Uh, This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, and we need to take a quick break. Today, we're taking your personal finance questions and also talking about wedding expenses with our guest, Angie Atkins, who's owner of Angie's Catering and Floral Design in Columbus. We'll be back with more of the program after this.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, and our guest today, Angie Atkins. She's owner of Angie's Catering and Floral Design in Columbus, and today we're talking about uh, costs associated with a wedding and also taking any of your personal finance questions that you have for us. Um, so, uh, Angie, do you, do you see that uh, most folks who come to you to help with help of planning their wedding have the idea in mind that they do need a budget and have done some forethought thinking about it in advance to, you know, how, what sort of expenses they'll incur? Most definitely. Most of the times when I start, when I sit down with a couple, they have a good idea of their budget. So that's kind of the, that's where we start. And, you know, I ask them, you know, what's the most important thing or, you know, is photography important, the food, the flowers, try to get a general idea of what's most important to them. And then we just try to, you know, definitely, you know, meet their budget and not try not to exceed their budget. And so I guess you've got uh, probably a, a portfolio of maybe uh, area photographers and that sort of thing. So, you know, once you get an idea of how much they're willing to spend, kind of which direction to go in. Exactly. Yeah. It was funny. We were just chatting uh, while we we're off air there. And, uh, you know, um, sometimes uh, y- when you think something that might be a romantic setting or whatever, when you actually get out there in, in real life, uh, things aren't quite that. You-, you talked about a wedding in the Delta. Right. It's right. You know, you really need to think about the venue. You need to think about the time of day that you're going to have it. Um, is it going to be an outdoor wedding? Is it going to be hot? I mean, you've got to you've got to really think through your venue and exactly what you have in mind for your special day. I know when uh, my niece planned her backyard wedding, it went off fairly well, except for the large dog that ran through right at the very beginning of the ceremony. That was not part of the plan, but uh, we rolled with yes. the punches. So. Yes, that's what you have to do. And I think to me, another location that seems kind of romantic that sometimes can be uh, not quite so is, is a beach wedding. Right. Um, beaches, you know, beach weddings are great. I think, you know, they're a little bit more expensive. Most of the time when you're planning a destination wedding, you limit your, you know, your guests because not everyone can travel, you know, a long distance to attend your wedding. So I think when you're, you know, you're planning a destination wedding, you really need to think about who can make it there and who you want to invite. Uh, that's a good thing to keep in mind that, that you know, what, what, is, what are the uh, expenses that your guests are going to incur because you certainly want uh, friends and family to sell, help celebrate your big day with you as well. Looks like we've got a couple more questions on the line. Let's start with a personal finance question that comes from Susan in Jackson. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. I love the topic on the weddings, but unfortunately, tomorrow I'm having a conference call with my very defensive brother who took over my father's portfolio. And uh, after asking him some questions, he begrudgingly said, all right, let's have a conference call with the manager of the portfolio. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering if you could give me some standard questions that you should ask someone when you have an annual meeting like this to go over a portfolio. Oh, man. I, so it's going to depend a lot on. So this is, you said, your father's portfolio? Correct. And your father is still living? No, he's no longer oh, living. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um so it, it depends on is this is this portfolio being distributed as part of the estate or why is it still out there instead uh, instead of being trust. in your own your own property or is it a trust? It's a trust. Yes. Okay. Uh, so okay. So you need to look at what are what are the goals of that portfolio? Um, and so with a trust, I mean, you may have ex- explicit things written down. You know, maybe it says, "Okay, distribute to my heirs in ten years or twenty years." Um, I've seen people do it all the way out to forty years. I hope yours isn't that long. But um, you know, y- you you want to make sure, you know, especially if this is a trust that's supposed to last a very long time, is it being managed in a way that's going to last a very long time? Um, for instance, and without, I mean, without a, what you might want to do, if you have an investment advisor or you have kind of a, you know, someone you lean on for financial advice, bring them in on the call. Because what you want to know is if the money is supposed to be distributed from this trust uh shortly then it's going to you want it to be fairly conservatively invested you don't want any surprises in between now and you know next year when when you need to when the money needs to be distributed out however if this trust is supposed to last for 20 years before you need the money then you, 
you should be comfortable with it being invested more aggressively. Uh, so that's looking at how it's invested. Um, then talk about what it is invested in. Um, you know, I personally am a big fan of low cost funds, um, very kind of simple uh, asset allocation, um, that sort of management that doesn't incur a lot of fees. Uh, you want to you want to ask about the fees being charged on the portfolio. You want to ask. You always, 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 always want to ask how does the portfolio manager get paid? Okay. Uh, um, that's very important. You want you want them to get paid by you. Uh, a fee only a fee only manager. They're paid only by you, uh, and so you know you are getting their best advice. And they're not you know they're not being paid to push a certain product to you, or they're not getting paid to tell you one thing when maybe something else might be a better idea for you. Uh, so talk about that. That's always something you want to look when it, there's an outside manager uh, with your money. But making sure it's invested appropriately for the goals of the trust, uh, making sure that you know they're not doing anything like just heinous in the portfolio, like charging you high fees or having a high turnover. And then just make sure that advisor is looking out for your best interest. You have to be comfortable with that advisor. Make sure they are available to you. Um, and you can always get another opinion from somebody else. And so every time if I'm asking a question, if I, that I would be charged if I was to get a hold of that manager. As, so I should maybe hire my own advisor, as you're saying. No, and, not necessarily that they would charge you every time you ask a question. Um, that would you know, if if they are only working on an hourly basis, maybe they would charge you if they had, you know, you asked them a question and they had to go do some research and get back to you. Um, if they are just being paid, you know, for instance, an annual fee, you know, maybe you're paying them a flat, you know, $1,000 a year to manage the portfolio. Maybe you're paying them a flat, you know, a, a rate of 1% of the portfolio to manage that portfolio. Then you should be able to ask them questions anytime. They should be available to you. They are managing your money. You should be able to ask questions about your money anytime. And if they're not uh, willing to do that or uh, available to do that, then you've got a terrible advisor. Um, as far as not necessarily hiring somebody else to to look at it but uh just you know somebody else who you know who you know and trust uh who can give you a second opinion it doesn't have to be a very complicated thing just be like you know oh this is what worried me about my conversation with the guy who's managing it um or this is something i didn't understand could you explain that to me and okay. uh you sh you shouldn't have to pay anybody to do that and and in fact if you have an advisor who you think would want to manage the money they may be able to do a, a little more work for you as well Excellent. All right. Thank you very much, Ryder. Mm -hmm. All right. Susan, thanks for the call. Let's move on. Next, we've got Van, who's called in from the road this morning. Good morning, Van. Go ahead, please. Yes, thank you. This is a wedding question. Uh, I married off two daughters. Two daughters. Uh, one uh, was a church wedding. Uh, this is a protocol question, and it wasn't that expensive. The second was the baby girl. You know, you blow the budget on that. <laughs> we had the wedding at a college, okay? And then the reception was at a different place in the town, also place in Jackson. My, my question is this. There were people who were at the reception who weren't at the wedding. They were eating up my food that I paid for. <laughs> and what's the protocol on that? Or is there any? It's just a crazy old man's question. Just thought I'd like to hear a comment on that. And I did spend between 10 and 12 on the baby girl's wedding. So anyway, just comment. And just a, is there a protocol on who comes and who can't? to come and eat up the food at the, at the reception. Okay. So, thank you so much. Y'all listen on the rest. All right, man. Yeah, I mean, you ha you invite your guests to the um, to the wedding, and normally if you invite the guests to the wedding, then that obviously includes the reception as well. So I would hope that people that were not invited to the wedding would not show up at your reception. So um, as far as the protocol, I mean, you know, I don't know. You just kind of roll with it, I think, at that point. Um, you don't really want to approach them and, you know, <laughs> ask them if they were on the invite list. So I think you just try to be, you know, a gracious host and just kind of go with it. Uh, but that's obviously another part of the whole planning process is invitations, and you want to make sure uh, when you send out an invitation what you're inviting them to, you know, where the where the different events will be and that sort of thing. 
And also make it clear, you know, are you allowed a plus one? Like, can you bring right. your kids? Like, this, that, and the other. Yes, that's is this, really important. Is this for your whole family or is this just for you? Yeah. And the invitation, the way you wore the invitation will let them know if they're, you know, if they're allowed to bring a guest or if it's just for them only. Yeah. And I guess if you saw someone that, you know, was over by the buffet table, you could maybe <laughs> kindly steer them away, you know, engage them in conversation and, and move them to another part of the hall. If they're fixing it to go yeah. play, then just uh, yeah. put that back. That's right. <laughs> uh, we're visiting with Angie Atkins, who's owner of Angie's Catering and Floral Designs in Columbus. We're talking about uh, wedding planning and sort of some of the costs associated with it. Uh, Angie, how far in advance uh, is it a good idea to really start planning for a wedding? I mean, I think even a year is not too soon to start planning a wedding, um, particularly if you're on a budget and you want to start paying for things as you go. I mean, I think you need to start the planning process at, like, at least a year in advance. I mean, you can wait six months out and start planning, but, you know, venues, if there's a particular venue that you want, a lot of venues are booked a year in advance. So I think you want to you want to start thinking about that. You want to start securing your photographer. You know, you want to contact your cake person. You want to get on everyone's calendar and the sooner you do that, the sooner you get engaged and know, you know, set your date. I think the planning needs to start at that point. And as you mentioned, that's a good idea because uh, if you're that far out, then you can also begin to save as well and maybe do something uh, similar to what, what a Christmas club would be where, you know, you have a special account that you're putting money in each month uh, so that you have a little bit of the money available up front uh, when, you, when, the, the, when the bills start to come due. Um, the uh, every last detail.com suggests uh, different uh, ways to budget a wedding. Uh, Angie, see if these seem uh, about right to you. Uh, they suggest 45% of the budget on venue, food, and drink, uh, 18% on photographs and videos, 15% on florals and decor, 10% on a planner, 6% on stationery, 4% on entertainment, 1% on the ceremony, and 1% on miscellaneous. Does that seem to shake out uh, in, about right in your experience? Yeah, I mean, that seems to be a fairly accurate account of the expenses that were related to a wedding. All right. Uh, we are talking on Money Talks this morning about wedding expenses. We're also looking for your personal finance questions, and the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show money at mpbonline.org. Uh, before we go to the next break, a writer understand that you were recently at a wedding in Spain. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. I was. So I went to a wedding in Spain, and uh, I think we were just talking about destination weddings and how it can actually be kind of expensive. But but you also mentioned that one way to keep that cost down is restrict the number of people. And so this was for a very close friend. I think there were 20, 25, 30 people there. Um, they, they kept... You know, I, I don't know the details of their budget, but um, they probably spent most of it on renting a villa. For most of the guests stayed there, so everything was taken. You know, I paid for my flight, and everything else was taken care of. Uh, people stayed in a villa, so that was very nice for the guests as well. They all stayed there. We all shared uh, kind of cooking responsibilities, so you know the catering budget was fairly low. Um, the, they went to a wholesale market for their flowers and we all kind of pitched in to do decorations and put bouquets together. And they had kind of assigned friends to be in charge of each activity. So everything went really smoothly, I think. And everyone had a lot of fun. I mean, you know, we were, you know, working at getting ready for a wedding for a day and a half, but we had a great time doing it and we got to get to know, um, all the different, you know, all, all their different friends from all over the place. So, so that was a good way they save money um, yeah. by totally doing it themselves. But it, it kind of made me think, you know, I was asking Angie earlier about, you know, people who decide to do it themselves. She was saying it's, it, you know, it, it can work really well for a small wedding, uh, but especially for a larger wedding, you might not know what you're getting into and, right. and things can get out of hand. So, you know, yeah. you were just saying, you know, you might spend 10% of the cost of the wedding on a planner, but, you know it could be totally worth it if you have right. a larger wedding. So that, that might be a thing to think about, you know, especially with people, you know, hey, like, let's just get on Pinterest and do this wedding that way. It's yeah. like, no, you need to you need to think about these things. Exactly. Yeah. And Angela, I guess, too, part of your role as a planner and, and helping out with things is 
taking some of the stress off of, of, of the couple to be, especially we know kind of typical of the, the brides getting all nervous and, and right. crazy and that sort of thing. And so it, having a wedding planner, someone in charge kind of helps uh, alleviate some of the extra anxiety and stress. It really does. I mean, like, you know, Ryder said, a lot of people have not taken on an event the size of a wedding before and a wedding planner can come in and help you, especially, you know, leading up to the day of the wedding, but also the day of the wedding, you know, if the band is late or the band's not there, they can get on the phone and call the band and say, just this past weekend, um, I had a wedding and the band was, you know, three hours late. Um, of course, I did not want the bride to know that. And so I'm on the phone Oof. calling the band and, you know, they did have car trouble and they were there in time to set up and everything. But those are things that happen behind the scenes that you don't want the bride to be stressed that day. And that's the things that I try to take off the bride. I mean, I make sure that the cake person's there and make sure that all the vendors are there. I mean, I have a checklist and, you know, I call them the day before and find out what time they're going to be, what, you know, what time they're going to arrive, what they're going to need. If, you know, if it's a DJ, are you going to need a table? Are you going to bring your own table? And, you know, the cake person, are you, you know, are you bringing your cake stand or do we need to provide that? And, you know, there's just a lot of little questions that need to be answered so that everyone's not running around frantically the day of the wedding trying to, to take care of these things. So that's what, you know, that's what you need. You know, a wedding planner may seem like an investment on the front end, but really they save you money in the end because they, they've done this. They know what vendors to go to. They know who can save you the most money. They know which photographers are going to fit your budget. And I think those are all important things that maybe you don't know those things. You don't know the vendors because you haven't been in the business. And I think that's, you know, that's what I try to do with my brides. I try to, you know, I try to work with them. And, you know, once I realize their budget, then I know, okay, well, we could go with this vendor to do different things. So. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we will continue our discussion. We're talking today about the costs associated with a wedding and also looking for your personal finance questions. When we get back, we'll talk about some areas maybe that you can cut costs in your wedding. Also, we're looking for any personal finance questions that you have. Give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464 Back with more Money Talks after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, and we're visiting today with Angie Atkins. She's the owner of Angie's Catering and Floral Design in Columbus. We've been talking a little bit about expenses uh, connected with your wedding um, and uh, also looking for your personal finance questions as we do each week. Uh, so uh, on the line is uh, Frank in Jackson. Good morning, Frank. What do you have for us? Good morning. Good morning. Um, your upper middle, upper middle class pedigree is showing Mississippi Public Radio with a wedding in Spain. I wish... Um, the wedding planner and the financial uh, advisor. What would what could a twenty thousand dollar wedding translate to if it was invested rather than spent on a party? How long do you want to invest it for, Frank? You're the financial planner. You know, uh, let's uh, the marriage will probably last seven years. So let's say seven years. <laughs> So over the past few years, I mean, the stock market has done, you know, phenomenally. Uh, so d doubled or tripled depends on how you had it invested. If you invested it very aggressively, you might have gotten, you know, fifty or $60,000 out of that. Interesting. I had a, a couple have a wedding and said, we don't want gifts. We'd rather take a cash donation. Any amount would be accepted. And they use that money for a down payment on a house. 
That's a fantastic idea. And I think one of the things that Angie pointed out, people are getting married later and later in life. And, you know, when you get married later and later in life, you have a little less need for, you know, a new set of plates and cups and things. And maybe you want a little more help with other things, uh, financial things. And so that's that's an excellent idea. Um, I don't what is uh, Angie, what is the protocol on asking for, you know, a cash gift saying, you know, I don't want any physical gifts i mean do you ever see people asking for cash gifts or do you ever see people asking for uh donations to charity um kind of in lieu of gifts uh things that you know people don't necessarily need more stuff um you know especially if they, they're getting later in life they're already established they have their you know they have their apartment with stuff in it they don't need a new set of sheets what what's your what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, personally, I don't really think you should probably ask for gifts. Um, you know, I think that's kind of a when you go out to different websites and register for gifts. I think that kind of gives your guests an idea of what you need and where you're registered. Personally, I don't think it's a great you know. I wouldn't ask for money in lieu of gifts. I mm. think that's just kind of an unspoken kind of thing, really. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think maybe the idea of a, of a charity thing would be you could put uh, yes, that on the invitation. Yes, you know, definitely that would be, a charity thing I think is a is a great idea in lieu of gifts. Mm-hmm. And and I would also maybe this is a little tacky as well, but it, you know if you if you could always return the gifts and <laughs> get the money <laughs> for them if you wanted to, that's probably not the best thing to do either. But, probably just <laughs> accept the gift in in the spirit in which it is given. Exactly. Uh, we've got another caller on the line. Let's visit with Bruce in Holly Springs. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. How Go, are you? Good. Go ahead. Uh, I'm an Episcopal priest, and I just wanted to uh, respond to the question earlier about how much to pay the minister okay. at weddings, because that could vary from tradition to tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our tradition, we're required to do several hours of premarital counseling with the couple, mm-hmm. and we're usually very much involved in the the day of the wedding, especially because the, the Episcopal priest is in charge of what everything goes on in, inside the church. So that's a lot of work over time. You may want to consider what that's worth, you know. Mm. Uh, and because some some traditions, you know, you just show up on the day and read the service off and go home, you know. So I think you've got to think about, you know, what kind of, uh, what is this man really or woman really done for this couple and how much time have they invested with their own uh, before you start thinking about any set amounts. Okay. Just, That's a good point. And and I think one of the questions was also, you know, is that expected to kind of be given directly to the priest or, you know, is that just, you know, uh, you know, contribution to the church or maybe a project the church has? What, you know, what's kind of protocol? It's kind of depends on the tradition. You know, in some cases of the churches require that it goes to the church Mm -hmm. after the church. If the minister does take it personally, he needs to be careful about, uh, you know, his IRS requirements. <laughs> of course, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> of course. But, I mean, they, they should all be familiar with that, no matter what their tradition. And so, um, yeah, um, you know, some places it's, uh, uh, I've been, I've been given a check for the church, for example, and then another little, you know, personal gift. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from time to time, but, um, you just have to kind of weigh what's been done and 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 really how much the minister has spent on on of his own time, his or her own time, and effort put into this thing. All right, uh, Bruce. Thanks for the call. Good uh, perspective on our conversation this morning. This is Money Talks. Uh, Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Our guest today, Angie Atkins. She is the owner of Angie's Catering and Floral Design in Columbus. We've been talking about expenses related to weddings. Also, we're looking for your personal finance questions as we do each Tuesday. Uh, let's go ahead. We'll take this one final break. When we get back, uh, we'll begin to see where we could maybe cut some of the expenses on the various uh, uh, events and things associated with your wedding. Back with more of the show after this.
information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Good, good morning. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Our guest today, Angie Atkins. She's the owner of Angie's Catering and Floral Design in Columbus. We're talking about... Uh, some expenses associated with weddings, but also looking for your personal finance questions. We've got some open phone lines, so if you'd like to join in today, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. You know, Angie, when we talk about budgets on the show, we, we often talk about, you know, looking over some things and, and finding areas where you could maybe cut back uh, on expenses and still maintain, you know, the um, the uh, the fun of the event or whatever. Uh, so right. let's uh, maybe talk about some different aspects of a wedding and, and, and some areas where uh, maybe you could cut back on uh, the costs. Let's uh, start with uh, the reception. Okay. With, with the reception, you could definitely cut by reducing the number of guests that you invite to your reception. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have, you know, 500 people, of course, that's going to be very expensive to feed that many, you know, that large of guests. So you could look at your list and cut down the number of people you invite and have a, a smaller wedding reception rather than doing like maybe an open invitation to the entire church. Just invite those that are closest to you. Um, another way to cut costs is in your flowers. Make sure that, you know, the flowers that you want to use in your wedding are in season. Um, they're not, you know, you don't want to do every floral arrangement with peonies or the most expensive flower. If you're willing to add greenery to your arrangements, that's a great way to cut costs. So, you know, you just really have to think about the, the overall, you know, everything. And there are ways to cut. You just have to be open to, you know, some ideas. And I also, I guess, uh, I guess June is, is typically one of the peak seasons. And, uh, you know, you could maybe plan right. to have it on an off-peak season. Right. And I am seeing more and more couples wait until the fall and even, you know, winter to do their weddings. I think in the South, particularly, it's hot during June. And I think some, you know, some people are waiting until the fall when it's cooler weather to um, to plan their wedding. And then, you know, everyone's not in such high demand then, you know, um, florists and caterers are not, you know, you can get a better deal maybe if you wait until later on in the year. Uh, one other one would be to maybe cut back on uh, the alcohol provided, maybe just offering a beer and wine instead of a, a full bar. And I think that might help out. Uh, you don't want uh, your guests to have too much to drink. That could lead to some trouble. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So if you just want to offer, you know, maybe a couple, you know, a white wine, a red wine and some beer, you know, that will definitely, you know, keep your costs down in that area of alcohol. Um, my favorite part of the wedding is the cake. Uh, what about some ways we could maybe save some expenses there? Well, I mean, rather than ordering maybe a five-tier cake, you could go with a smaller cake, maybe a two-tier cake, and have, like, sheet cakes that are pre-cut in the back. So, of course, the, the larger the cake, the more expensive it will be. So if you're on a budget, you know, go with a smaller cake. It can be just as pretty. Um, you can put it on a pretty pedestal. You can have flowers around it. You can build it up and make it look maybe larger than it is. And then have extra cake in the back that you can serve your guests. I like that idea. You're right. So instead of necessarily splurging on the cake itself, if you make it a nice uh, surrounding, uh, as you say, some uh, accoutrements with it, it, it looks as, as good and is quite expensive. Exactly. Uh, looks like we've got a caller on the line. So again, we'll go to the phones as we invite Deborah, who's on the road, into the conversation this morning. Hello, Deborah. Good morning. Go ahead. Um, the rehearsal dinners, it seems like more and more people are inviting out-of-town guests to the dinners. And is this becoming more common or is this just something extra people are doing? It seems like in the past, only the people in the rehearsal, um, in the wedding party, would go to, to the rehearsal dinner. And um, my second question is the photo booth. How much do those cost, if you can tell me? 
Okay. Yeah, I think you're right about rehearsal dinners. I think, you know, years ago, you only invited the people that were in the wedding, the, the bridesmaids, the groomsmen, you know, the grandmothers and grandfathers. I think now it's become customary to invite out-of-town guests. If you have guests that are traveling, you know, a long distance to get to your wedding, I think it's nice to extend the invitation to attend the rehearsal dinner if your budget allows. So, yes, I, I do see more and more out-of-town guests attending the rehearsal dinner these days. And this is just common practice now? I see it more, yes. I mean, not everyone, of course, does that. But, yes, I do think it's becoming more customary to do that. Um, Your question about the photo booth, you know, they can run probably anywhere from $500 to $1,000. They have the, you know, some couples just do the photo booths where they do their own props and they just have someone taking the photos. There's also the photo booths that come in, the, you know, the professional companies that come in, they actually set up a photo booth. You go in, you have your pictures made with different props and then the pictures print out then. So, you know, I think it, you, you know, it just depends on which route you go as far as how much a photo booth would cost you. Okay, well, thank you. I, I've been to a wedding with a photo booth, and it was a lot of fun. It really it's a is. Memory to have. It's, yeah, and you have, you know, you have memories, and you have the picture, you know. So, yeah, I think they're a great idea. Yeah, I got a picture, and then they had a book where they put the picture inside. Right. Uh, but they, it was a keepsake for them. I thought it was a really... That's yes, it is a great idea. The guests get to keep a picture, and the bride and groom gets to have a you know a copy, like you said, for their photo right. album. So yeah, it's right. a it's a great way to remember your special day. Okay, well, thank you, thank right. you. Good to hear from you, Deborah. Thanks for the call. Uh, we're talking a little bit on wedding expenses, trying to cut back on some different things. Uh, we've talked about some ways to cut back on the reception and uh, the flowers and the cake. Uh, when it comes to food and drink, and uh, and uh, Angie, I, I remember this was an office party once, and it was funny because on the invitation, they basically came out and said, this is not lunch. Uh, <laughs> don't expect to be fed a three-course meal. Right. And again, maybe that's not quite tactful enough, but the, the idea of saving some expenses would be to maybe scale back and have just hors d'oeuvres, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great way to save costs. Rather than, you know, serving everyone a steak and, you know, sides and everything, you could just do some heavy appetizers. Maybe go with, you know, five to six, ha- you know, appetizers, two meat options, maybe a hot dip and stuff. So, yeah, that's a great way to, to cut your costs as far as food is concerned. And also, I would think if you have that, you might encourage more interaction in a reception. I think if you have a full meal, people would maybe tend to sit down at a table, right. whereas the hors d'oeuvres, there are probably more circulation. There is. There's lots more, you know, visiting and talking to the guests and everything is, you know, if you're confined to one table, you're only talking to the few people that happen to be at your table. But if you have appetizers, you know, especially bite-sized appetizers, you know, guests can get a plate, mingle around the room, grab a drink and, and kind of visit. So... Yeah, I think that's a great idea, too. And, you know, probably 90% of the weddings are that way these days. You know, I think up north, they probably do a seated meal. And, you know, but in the south, we do more appetizers and stuff. Um, what about uh, stationery and, and maybe favors, some things involved? I guess stationery, primarily the uh, invitations, but also maybe wedding napkins, that sort of thing. What are maybe some ways we could cut back there? Well, I mean, napkins, let's face it, they're going to, you know, throw them away at the end of the night. So, you know, that's not one. I mean, one of the things I would, you know, recommend that you spend a lot of money on napkins. Stationery is very expensive these days. You know, some you know some couples, you know, if they're tax savvy, they'll decide to do their own invitations. There's a lot of good stationery out there, a lot of you know good you know paper and stuff. Because um, invitations can go up to you know they're very expensive. So that is another way to cut costs if you want to you know print your own invitation. Yeah, I think with the you know desktop publishing and, and the way our technology has improved there. Right. Uh, and, and again, you're right. That's one of the things that's important to have as we talked about, uh, you know, giving the proper information. But again, that's not something I don't think that people are going to save as a, as, a, as a keepsake. And it's probably right. going to end up uh, being tossed as well. So that would be a good place to cut back on, um, right. on some costs. Uh, I mentioned a friend of mine had a, a beach wedding. And I thought one of the cool things they did in the reception uh, was instead of a guest book, they had had a, some shells, and then we each put a little personal note on the shell. And so yes. I thought that was kind of a cool and obviously right. a little bit of, a, a less expensive way to do that as well. Right. Yes. Um, any other kind of tips uh, that you can think of maybe off the top of your head when, when, when folks are, are, are concerned about expenses? Um, you know, just, you know, think about your guest list, think about your venue, think about your flowers. I mean, just really, you know, try to get a good plan and get a good budget and, 
you know, definitely don't invite everyone you know if you are on a tight budget. You know, just, I mean, a lot of couples now are making it more about their guests, too. So, you know, like Ryder was saying, the wedding that he attended, it was just family and friends, and they made a whole weekend out of it. So, you know, if you, you know, I would consider that, too. So you don't always have to have a big outlandish wedding. You can Mm -hmm. also just have a small, intimate affair as well. And I think you you can plan a beautiful wedding no matter what your budget is. Um, you don't have to spend, you know, break the bank to have a, a beautiful wedding. And I would think too, uh, again, sort of how a writer mentioned that if you, if you have a, you know, your maybe your bridal party, the the brides, uh, grooms, and the uh, the maids of honors and that sort of thing to. Put them to work a little bit. Maybe do right. flower arrangements, that kind of thing, because I think that that saves expenses. But again, I, and I hope, Ryder, you would agree that kind of makes it a bit more of a special thing for everybody involved in the wedding to kind of remember. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I was thinking of. Even even we're, we're talking about food and and do you want to have appetizers with people mingling around? You want it to be something that people are going to enjoy and that right. kind of party atmosphere of having appetizers to mingle around and the kind of, you know, the past wedding that I was in, you know, people coming together, you know, again, you know, this is people from a very small amount of people from all over the place so you know whatever if spain was our central location that worked out for us but we got to know each other very well uh and we had a great time with each other and we all we all pitched in and so you know not only are we going to have you know memories of, of two of our best friends getting married and just such a beautiful time and also you know a great great reception great little party afterwards uh but we're also going to have memories of you know really getting our hands involved in it and um and pulling things together with each other and just having a great time doing that yeah and if you know something happens uh even sort of bad things it's it, it can be you know remember when the flowers fell down or whatever like that so again it'd be a really great way to uh to, to share some memories uh angie before we go if you would if someone's interested in uh, trying to plan a wedding with you how would they get in touch um they can reach me at 662-386-5634 all right so very good. So uh, it, uh, hopefully uh, if your big day is being planned in the future that it goes well. And as Angie said, you can uh, do it on, and without spending a whole lot of money. Um, so that's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. If you need to hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is at mpbonline.org slash money talks. Our show was produced today by Liz Gill and our call screener was Java Chapman. So for Ryder Taff and Angie Atkins, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's in legal terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.